Episode 317 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm editor Kirk Seminoff. We continue our interviews with Wichita mayoral primary candidates this week with Brian Fry, who for the last eight years has represented District 5 on the Wichita City Council. In episode 317, I'll ask him about his business career and what he's learned about city government during his time on council and how that influences his run for mayor. Brian Fry will join me in just a minute. But first, let me tell you about the weekly print edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story is a look at ChatGPT, the artificial intelligence tool that is changing the way we work. Can it also recession-proof a company? Our cover story takes a look, and it starts on page 12. This week's list is our annual look at Wichita's largest employers. We list the top 50, and it'll take you a little bit to digest them all. The list begins on page 6. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 16. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Councilmember Brian Fry is with me today. It's good to have him here. He's one of the candidates running for mayor in the August 1st primary, trying to get down to the final two that go to the November general election. Brian, thanks for joining me. Hey, thank you, Kirk. Always appreciate the opportunity. I'm, I'm curious, after having spoken to some candidates already, is, is running for mayor hard? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um, just because of the grind and the hours that you need to put in. Uh, look, I'm still a representative for City Council District 5, mm -hmm. so I have a responsibility to those 63,000 people that were gracious enough to, you know, I get to serve. Um, I also have a full-time job with the Kansas Chamber. I am a small business owner, a partner in an IT company here. Uh, first and foremost, I should have mentioned my wife and kids. Um, so there's a lot to get through. Um, you know, my day usually starts at 6.30, a.m. and gets, I get home about 10.30 at night. H harder than you thought it would be, or did you kind of expect this having running for council twice? Yeah, I certainly expected it. Uh, unfortunately, you know, running for council twice before, I knew what's required. Um, but now it's just time six mm -hmm. versus the one district. I have six districts yes. I have to get out to. And, and again, do my job because mm -hmm. uh, that's what the voters elected me to do. And, and I love my job. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, but running a campaign is certainly um, very time intensive. At least logically, I would think that anybody that looks at your career thinks this is the next, next logical step for you. You are term limited on the city council. Uh, so a, mayor, a run for mayor seems logical, but was it a, a hard decision at all to do this? Um, definitely. Um, you have to take everything with a lot of prayer and a lot of thought, um, a lot of time spent with your family making sure they understand what's going to be required mm -hmm. of you for this. Um, and, you know, because it does put a lot of stress, a mm -hmm. lot of pressure. Um, but my family knows how much I love this city, and it's genuine. Um, I've raised here, lifelong Wichita, 
and uh, a boomerang back twice mm -hmm. um, because I love the city so much. And, you know, I think as you're about the same age and growing up, it was always, I can't wait to get out of Wichita, right? <laughs> We've all had that experience. We've all had that thought. Um, you know, for me, serving on the park board, serving on city council, it's always been about how do I keep that thought from entering that next young person's mind, right? Right, so that they're putting Wichita at the top of their list and not an afterthought. That's what drives me. That's what makes me want to continue to make this city better and you know create opportunities for our youth and for our young my kids, so that when they're old enough. They choose to stay here because it's got everything that they want. Um, it's got the opportunities. It's got the recreation. It's got the job um, availability. Mm -hmm. And so that's what drives me. That's what led me to this path to decide to run for mayor. Um, I'm very proud of the record and the things that I've been able to do as a council member. But I also know that there's a lot more work to be done mm -hmm. and continue to see that vision and leading Wichita to that next place that it can be. Uh, I think we're one of the best kept secrets in the country. Um, and I know there's a lot of people like me that have that passion for the city and want to share it with others. Um, I don't want to be the next Nashville, right? But I want to be the best version of Wichita we can be. Right. I don't want the problems Austin has, but I want to be able to make sure that we've got opportunities for our kids and eventually my grandkids, knock on wood, mm -hmm. um, that Wichita's at the top of their list, and it's not an afterthought or boomerang. Right. So, we, it's a long answer to your question, <laughs> but I wanted to pack a lot of in there. Mm -hmm. uh, you've spoken to our emerging leaders groups before, and it's always heartening to see out of all those emerging leaders how many are boomerangs who, yeah. who thought it was greener somewhere else but are back in Wichita for whatever reason, right. and they are so glad they made the decision. But you're right, we are losing some and that, that are not boomeranging. Uh, Tell me about your life in Wichita. You've lived all over this great city. You, yeah. You're yeah. a Southeast High School graduate. You live West Side now. Yep. Um, what What has been your, your, your path forward here in Wichita? So I've always been involved in the community. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as a kid growing up, I played sports um, and then got active in my church group. Um, and then my career started and I started got involved in nonprofit service and helping do fundraisers or serving on boards. Um, that was because of my career in television. That was part of the job. You know, we, we sponsored a lot of events and it was being exposed to that service level um, of giving back to the community has just always been part of my makeup. And I believe it's, you know, if you're gonna uh, be involved, if you're gonna live in a community, you need to be involved in a community. Um, you know, after 9-11 and realizing that television was uh, important at that time, but there's a lot more to life than television, mm -hmm. and I needed to do something more and, and take that level of service to another height. Um, <clears throat> so I made the mistake of getting involved with my HOA. <laughs> and anyone who's ever served on an HOA knows what I'm talking about. Exactly. Um, boy, that is the most uh, least thankful job you'll ever get. Mm -hmm. But it really got me connected to my neighborhood. And because of that, I started going to the district advisory board meetings under then council member Bob Martz and saw how that could take your service level to another uh, place. And so then I raised my hand and said, I'd like to help 
And uh, so Jeff Longwell, who was elected to replace Bob Martz, uh, asked me to serve on the park board. And with two young kids, I thought, man, park board's fantastic. Right. It's a great way to really see the city and, and invest in quality of life and, and make uh, this great for everyone. And it's all neighborhoods. And I think we visited every park uh, during my time, eight years on the park board. Uh, but it was great to really understand government because we talked about budgets and capital improvement and making sure that we're inviting and creating a welcoming place for all neighborhoods. And so that's what then made me realize that I could even do more and, and have a stronger role. And there's really not a level of city advisory boards or dabs or anything like that that you haven't been a part of, am I right? So I've raised my hand on a lot of things, yes. Uh, I've been involved with the Community Investments Plan. Uh, from day one on council, I have been heavily involved in the water treatment plant design and build um, because that was a, a key strategy for this community to move forward is having a, a water treatment facility mm -hmm. that can last for the next generations. So, um, and again, numerous other committees and, and, and volunteer roles at a lot of different levels, yes. I'm, I'm curious, uh, both in, in service and city and in private business, where have you taken examples of leadership and applied them to your own life? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope that I've become even a better listener, right, um, to those people closest to me. Um, because of the background and the career, there was a lot of late hours and a lot of time. And mm -hmm. so when I do have the opportunity to be in front of friends and family, I need to make sure that I'm listening to them just as much as I'm listening to the taxpayer that's calling me about the pothole right. or the park that's overgrown. Um, I need to pay attention to those people closest to me and make sure I'm giving them the attention that they deserve. And that's difficult because you're pulled in so many different directions. And I know, and maybe it's because Father's Day was just last weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's probably a lot more in my mind right now because of that. Because mm -hmm. um, I know that it's, it's tough with the amount of hours that I have to spend doing this. And it's by choice, but I'm blessed to have a family that understands it and know that's the way I'm wired. Mm -hmm. Look, I have a healthy appetite for work. <laughs> I throw myself into projects, board service, council, etc. And I get nervous and restless when I don't have something to do. It's difficult for me to just relax. Right. And whether it's uh, a honeydew project at home uh, or yard work, I'm going to throw myself into that, too. Mm -hmm. And my family appreciates that and they understand it. But just being able to listen to their needs and, and where they need dad or husband, mm -hmm. right? So that's something I continually work on. Is your homeowners association trying to get you back on the board? <laughs> uh, thankfully, no. I still go to the meetings. Um, still go to a lot of HOA meetings, and they're all very similar across mm -hmm. the city. Um, but uh, again, I'm blessed to have a really good neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So, this might be a related question, but once you are on city council and you're finishing up your second term now, um, I'm, I'm interested in what once you got onto the council and saw things churn and how things work what struck you about being involved in city government once you're in it so again this goes back to my tv days uh time is money right and every 30 second commercial if you miss that opportunity you cost your business 
And so there's the speed of business and there's the speed of government. <laughs> <laughs> and so that being able to make a decision and go with it, um, that's the difference, right? Um, just because it's, there's a lot more engagement and listening to taxpayers and making sure you're being as transparent as possible. Look, as a business owner, if I say tomorrow everybody has to wear a green shirt to work, everybody has to wear a green shirt to work. I'm the boss, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the way here. It's, okay, everyone, how do you feel about wearing a green shirt? And is this the right thing for Wichita? And then you have to do the engagement, you have to do the surveys, et cetera. <laughs> so there's that speed of government, right? And so that's the biggest uh, aha moment mm -hmm. of being private sector versus public sector. Um, nothing wrong with it, and I'm all for transparency, and I get frustrated. And I've exhibited that a couple of times on council when we've received documents or contracts the night before we're supposed to make a decision on it. And I've stopped the proceedings and said, look, I can't make a vote on this today. We're not being fair to our, to our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And they don't know what's going on. And yet we're supposed to vote on this. And so uh, that's been the biggest frustration. And, and again, continue to work on that. Continue to share with staff. We've got to do better. We've this is uh, a community of 400,000 people and not just the seven of us out here on this bench. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, the biggest struggle, I think, is just that immediacy. Full disclosure, I've probably watched every minute of every council meeting <laughs> on YouTube over the past five years. And you appear to me, I, I don't know that I'd necessarily call you a watchdog, but you do pull things off the consent agenda oh, and yes. ask questions about them. Yes. You may be totally willing to vote for something, but you want to find out details about right. something. I think the, the step you took at the end of meetings for appointments for your DAB board, for, for whatever committee or, or commission you're, you're adding someone to, you let other council members know a week ahead of time that I'm going to appoint yeah. person X. So if somebody has a problem with person X, right. you can bring it up without having just flung it on them. Yeah, and again, we've, we have a lot of volunteer opportunities for different boards and appointments, and uh, we get people that volunteer for that, and it's great to have a variety of people and just not uh, people that you come in contact all the time. It's great to get new ideas and different perspectives, but a lot of those folks I don't know, mm -hmm. and I can interview them, and I do. Everyone that I appoint, I spend time with them to talk to them about the job and or the role and what the expectations are. But there's also that I've got six other council members that they might know this person or something about them that might not be a good fit, and I want to know that because they're going to be representing our city as well. Right. And so I just thought it was necessary to take – I wish I would have been doing that from day one on the council. Not that I have had any – bad appointments or any regrets with any appointments, but I think it just adds to that level of transparency mm -hmm. and saying these are the people that are going to be helping make decisions. And yes, public may not have voted for that person, but it's my responsibility as the person that was voted to let people know who I'm appointing. Mm -hmm. So, As you have run, started your campaign for mayor and made it across all six districts instead of your District 5, I'm curious what people have told you are, are most important to them for a mayor. Sure. Um, right now, the, the number one issue is there's two top issues that always come into play. Uh, potholes, roads, mm -hmm. right? And they don't care if they're – a pothole is not partisan. It's not Republican right. or Democrat. A pothole is a pothole. So people are always concerned about infrastructure, right? Mm -hmm. The greater sense of roads, 
water? Are we taking care of your tax dollars properly? Are we spinning it efficiently? Are we taking care of the basics, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and then right now, there's certainly a heightened interest on police and crime. And, uh, and it's not so much that people are really afraid of their community, but they want quicker response times. They want to know that when they call because their garage was broken into, they're going to get a call back relatively soon and not a day later. And that's just right now it's because we have uh, limited numbers of officers on the force. We, right. We're down. So people are concerned how that's affecting the bigger picture because the longer something goes unsolved, the more opportunity there is for additional crime. And so even though we have a, an amazing clearance rate on homicides, we're seeing more uh, vandalism, we're seeing more larceny, we're seeing more burglary, uh, catalytic converter theft. Right. I mean, those type of things are frustrating. And, and then that adds to the bigger picture. So um, crime and response, police response times are always a concern. Mm -hmm. Being a lifelong Wichita and, and, and interested in politics and how government works, I'm sure you've had an opinion over the years of good mayors and bad mayors. Um, yeah. Give me an example of, a, of a, one or two mayors that you sure. think were effective. Absolutely. So fortunately, I've been able to work with several of them, uh, either as a community volunteer or as on the park board, because Carl Brewer, and mm -hmm. I'll use him as my most recent example. Uh, Carl was someone who could bring people together for a big project mm -hmm. downtown. Um, that was a vision to make downtown everybody's neighborhood and invest in this core. And he was very successful in pulling together other council members to craft that vision and pull it off. And we've seen the public versus private investment pay off in great dividends. Uh, it's almost a 9 to 10 to 1 return on what we spent publicly versus what the private investment. And we're continuing to see increased opportunities because of that. Uh, the Wichita Biomedical Complex, the DO School, WSU's niche, mm -hmm. uh, the the uh, culinary school, increased investment along the downtown. So because of that vision and saying we need to do something about downtown, Carl was able to bring fellow council members together, get them on board, and make the necessary capital improvements to make downtown what it is, and it's thriving. That's what I think uh, the next mayor has to continue to do as it relates to Riverfront, uh, East and West Bank. Mm -hmm. Craft that vision, figure out what does the community truly want, and then start making the investment to get that to that next step. It's, it's coalition building. Yeah, absolutely. It's bridge building. It's coalition building. It's collaboration. It's putting down party lines and saying, this is what we need to work on together. And I think Carl did an amazing job with that. Uh, another mayor that I didn't get to work with as intimately because his mayorship was before my time, but because I was in the media, I mm -hmm. followed a lot, and it was uh, uh, Bob Knight. Right. And Bob Knight is someone who had been elected multiple times to a city council and then mayor a few times. But Bob was a, a, an extremely strong advocate for uh, taxpayer rights, making sure that we're protecting property owners and looking out for them. Uh, case in point, I look at electric rates. And yes, the city of Wichita doesn't have a large say mm -hmm. in how electric rates are decided, but we're a heavy user of electric rates. Um, and that has to get passed down to citizens at some point, mm -hmm. whether it's in uh, loss of services somewhere else or uh, increased taxes because of it. So uh, Bob was a great advocate for keeping utility rates uh, as low as they could be because he knew that the impact it was having on Wichitans. 
And so he fought it quite often. And we have an opportunity this summer right now with Evergy and their proposed rate increase. And I'm worried what that effect is going to have on our citizens. It's a 10% increase, but then the city of Wichita, that affects our budget, which is going to have to be passed down as well. So looking at how uh, Mayor Knight handled it and that advocacy, and just, again, you mentioned earlier that that someone who was really ready and willing to take the fight and find those things and advocate for taxpayers and protect them. Bob Knight was someone who I admire for that. I've always viewed you as that type of person who fights for the taxpayer. Uh, coalition building, do you think you're good at that? Uh, absolutely. I think uh, I can always, it was one of those things you can always work to be better at, right. right? I've been involved in a lot of different groups, a lot of different organizations, a lot of different personalities. And, and I know that I'm never gonna be the smartest person in the room. If it is, it's time for me to leave that room. Um, and so you have to figure out what your strengths are and where the talent is in the room and how you can draw upon them. Where are those subject matter experts that, look, for some reason I have this reputation that I'm the water guy now on the council. And so ask Fry, he's the water guy. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing about water when I came onto the council eight years, but because that water treatment plan has been such a priority for me, I dived in, no pun intended, <laughs> um, and tried to learn as much as I can about what it's going to take to build this treatment plant. And it was some hard decisions and some, some, some arguments. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I realized that I have to be smarter, I have to learn more, and I have to draw upon those people that can teach me. And you can't do that if you're over here by yourself, acting independently. You have to find where those connections are and, and how do you bring people together to get to that. And so um, I think that goes back to my background of being in business for 30 years and serving this community in so many different capacities. Uh, led a lot of fundraisers. Can't do those by yourself, right? you got to build the team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this goes back to my experience as a kid being on teams and playing sports, you know. Um, I always gravitated towards team sports because um, I enjoyed being part of something bigger and, and working together towards a goal. Mm -hmm. um, I admire golfers. I admire tennis players. But I'd much rather be on a football or baseball team. So, It strikes me that, that people who want to be leaders like a mayor or a governor or a president often think they are the smartest person in the room. <laughs> Uh, where did you, where does that come from for you, not assuming you are and, and yeah. wanting to listen? Does that come from someplace? I, again, I think it's my upbringing. Um, just knowing my parents, they were uh, people that pulled themselves up from the bootstraps and worked hard, and, and uh, they were in business careers that were very relationship driven. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad was a car dealer uh, in sales his entire life. Uh, my mother's been in sales business. And so seeing how they work with people and relate to others, you know, you watch that as a kid, you see it, you learn it, and knowing that it's, um, that's how you're going to be successful mm -hmm. is by having those opportunities to engage with people. And, it, you know, it takes two people to get to a decision. Right. Right. When you think about your parents' background, does that also kind of influence the way you are on the council in terms of, you know, a, a question I'm going to ask you is, and I guess I'll ask it now, is does the city make it easy enough for somebody to start a business in this town? Or can they make it easier? I think we've made some significant improvements because of COVID, of all things, mm -hmm. right? Um, 
because of COVID, we had to do a lot of things online, um, permits, forms. We had to get very good in the digital world. And I think that has helped speed things up. Um, We can always do a better job of rolling out the red carpet and trying to cut the red tape, right? But um, it's never going to be as easy as it should be. Um, But because we've got a blended... (coughs) (coughs) Pardon me. But because we have a a blended department with the county with planning and code enforcement and and inspections, um, we are able to make and reduce some times. Uh, Look, it's all about speed of business and trying to get uh, to the market as quickly as someone can, whether Mm -hmm. it's a fire inspection or getting a permit. Um, But I think because of COVID, we've been able to cut some of that time. Um, and getting more digital files and digital applications and permits and so forth. We're in the middle of revamping the city website right now, and that's going to be a game changer, I think, because right now it's very clunky. It's very difficult to navigate, to find things. There's not enough resources on there. And so we're doing a top-to-bottom overhaul on that. And the number one goal I have with that is to be as transparent as possible but also make it um, easier for people to get started and find the things that they need for a business. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned COVID and, and the economic effects of COVID, and I'm curious, it's also having an effect now on a city budget shortfall here in the next few years. Uh, it's projected at $18 million in 2025 and maybe even more after that. You've seen this coming on the council. Right. What can a mayor do to to make that process work where you have to make some really tough decisions on some budget right. matters. Well, and, and fortunately, um, because we're doing these rolling three budget projections now, and this is a business practice that we used to do all the time at the station, uh, looking forward to just not the next budget cycle, but the three after that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're start, we've started doing that at the council level so we can plan better. Um, in fact, you mentioned a, a budget deficit projected in 25 of 18 million well since we're doing these forecasts it's actually now been lowered to 11 million from the last workshop that we had so the picture is getting better um, but it allows us that opportunity to start talking now about what might need to change for 25 26 and 27 how can we be more efficient what are those service levels that people are willing to say we don't need that as much right? Mm-hmm. This is what the focus should be on. And it's still always going to be police, fire, infrastructure, you know, those roads and that water. Right. That's 70, 72% of our budget. That's a big number, right? Right. So what's the difference is uh, the remaining is your, your parks, your libraries, your, your quality of life, those things that make a community special. And so giving us that much time in advance to start thinking, okay, how are we going to do this? What do we need to get to there? Um, and we're not just doing it quarter to quarter or year to year. Mm-hmm. I think that's been a big improvement. It allows us to have engagement opportunities to talk to our neighbors and say, okay, where should we sacrifice? Where should we invest? And it also allows us time to continue to focus on how do we grow the economy, mm-hmm. right? How do we make Wichita uh, more attractive for businesses and start bringing more people in to help offset that projected deficit? Right. So. I think that's been the number one thing that we've done is to try to help factor in those difficult choices. Mm -hmm. There are five, I'm going to say there's five main candidates in this primary. There are nine total. Um, 
but five who are recognizable names um, in the community. Three of whom are, well, I guess Jared Cerullo has had city council experience. Celestra said is not, Lily Wu has not. Um, you are on the council for your eighth year now, and of course there's Mayor Whipple. Um, I'm interested in the dynamic of you having, having seen the sausage be made for eight <laughs> years, and you know, people from the outside will criticize some of the decisions that have been made, and that's natural. Right. But how critical are you of how city government works right now? <clears throat> so you're absolutely right. This job is like ice cream. You're never going to please everybody. There's always a different flavor right. that somebody would rather have. And there's a decision that I've made or a, a position I've taken that has upset somebody on the other side. Right. So um, that's the dynamic. Right. And so knowing that we're all trying to represent our districts and do the best we can. I have always taken the position that, yes, I represent my district first, but I have a responsibility to the entire city. Mm -hmm. And driving that, having that focus allows me to drive my decision making and work with my fellow council members. Um, so it's, it helps having that background and having that experience, um, knowing how the sausage is made because I can save a lot of time um, and get to answers quicker, know who to contact. Um, eight years, you, you know where things are. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm best suited to hit the ground running on day one because of the last eight years and, and the experience that I had in my first term, which is a lot different than the second term. Mm -hmm. There's a marked difference in those two terms. And it's because of things like the 737 MAX shutdown, COVID, a different person in the mayor's seat than what I had my first term. So they're two different uh, terms, very much. And getting back to that first term where things were going well and things were moving in the right direction and progress is being made, I think that helps set me up for how we continue to move Wichita forward mm -hmm. and not get involved in issues that are more petty and more partisan and focus on the forward aspect of it. And again, I think it helps having the 30 years of business experience too and servant leadership. I think I'm the most well-rounded candidate of all of them. And again, just having, then the last thing I wanna to point to in that is because of my television background, I also have a very creative, curious sense, mm -hmm. right? And wanna find different ways to find solutions. And just don't take, well, that's the way we've always done it. That never worked in television. And so you always have to think differently and what are some creative solutions and how to attack a problem or, or uh, do things differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that is also a strength. You mentioned two different people in the mayor's role in your, in your two terms. Um, I'll ask, I'll ask the question this way. A, is, has Mayor Whipple been too partisan over these four years? And B, if so, um, how do you get that back? How do you regain trust for the from the community to, to not be partisan, to be as transparent as possible? <clears throat> That's a very good question. Um, you know, and I, and I think it's mainly due to the experience and the background that he had in the legislature, right. and that's the way things were done mm -hmm. and are done. I think it took him a very long time, and it still is a challenging thing for him to separate. 
Uh, we're not supposed to have that type of thinking at the bench, and we're mm -hmm. supposed to think, again, what's best for your district, but at the greater sense, what's best for the entire city, um, and not have to count votes, right? It's, look, uh, my first term, I had two council members that were Democrats, but I could go in and talk to them, and we'd you know, have difference of opinion, and Council Member Johnson right now and I, we have very robust discussions, and we find what is the commonality between the two positions and work for outward from that. You know, we don't stake out, this is the way I'm going to be and this is it, you know, and he's out there. No, let's find the middle and then where do we work from there? And I think that's what this role has to be. Um, the mayor has to have that position of um, how are we going to get there, right, and not this is the way we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. So. Uh what is your view of Bob Layton's job and his job performance? You know, he's been at this 15 years. Since 08. Yep. And that's a long time for a city manager of a city this size. And yeah. I've already had two two candidates tell me they'd like to see a replacement. Sure. Uh, how do you view his, his role? So I'm going to go harken back to my career. Um, I used to work with a different news director every two years. Mm -hmm. And that was hard to create stability and, and focus. And it was like we were changing our identity and our direction every two years. And it gets frustrating. I think as a community, you need to have that vision and that focus and that dedication to stay that path and with changes as necessary. But that stability that Bob has been able to bring to us since 08 has weathered us through two financial crises, the 08 downturn and then COVID. And his background on finance and, and accounting is excellent, right? We're in a fantastic financial position. We've got healthy reserves. We've got a double-A bond rating. Um, we're able to budget, balance our budget every year. And so I think that is his strength. And I think he's deserved the uh, accolades he gets for that because we are in a great position, right? And Bob gets evaluated every year by the council. And we do that. And there's some tough love in there. And, you know, I've been critical on some things. And I've been fine to share that with him. But Bob is also someone who understands that he's got a council that he answers to, mm -hmm. right? And um, we are the board of directors, and he is a CEO. And Bob has subject matter ex expertise that I don't have. Same with our park director, same with our chief of police. And we rely on those people to do their jobs. And we rely on Bob to do his job as a city manager. Make no mistake, I think... Um, the next mayor will have a role in finding the next city manager. Bob has earned the right to retire when he wants to. Right. He can. Mm -hmm. And I know he's got family and grandkids, and if he wants to retire next week, next month, two years from now, he's earned that. But I think the next mayor is going to have the responsibility of leading and finding the next city manager, whether it's internal or outside. And it's such a critical hire that I think you need to have someone who's got the experience of doing that. Look, and I've managed payrolls. Uh, I've had to meet a payroll with my companies. Um, you know, hire, motivate employees. Um, I think it's critical you have someone in that role that can lead that effort mm -hmm. uh, because it's, it could be, like I said, two weeks, two months, two years, but it's going to be necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about some downtown issues um, that deal with business. I hear the word game changer every time we talk about the biomedical campus. Is it legitimately, legitimately a game changer, and is the city ready for it downtown? 
Yes and no. So yes, I believe it's a game changer. Anytime you can put uh, 3,000 employees, students in one neighborhood, um, it's going to create opportunities. Um, it's going to create uh, restaurants, retail, service, um, apartments, uh, living. It's going to bring a vibrancy to an area that doesn't have it right now. Downtown's fantastic, and we've seen amazing growth, but you add that many more people, it's going to create opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, to that end, there's a lot that needs to get done before that happens, and it's everything from the actual site itself and getting it built to those um, related services and where they going to what were they going to fit in? Is there going to be enough housing? There's already a, a critical need for affordable housing. We've got a lot of high-end apartments downtown, mm -hmm. but we don't have a lot of affordable. And if there's students, they're going to be needing affordable housing. And so right now we're lacking some of that infrastructure. Um, we've done a good job of converting one lanes into two lanes, which I think is critical in a downtown. I see, uh, for instance, Central and Main, uh, Main's a one-way, and I see a lot of cars going the wrong direction down there. And every time I see it, I cringe because there are accidents waiting to happen. And mm -hmm. so I think things like that, converting one-ways to two-ways, um, better sidewalks and more pedestrian-friendly um, so that it's safer for a vibrant core of students and so forth. So there's a lot of infrastructure that needs to get done to begin place, but fortunately it's going to take a couple of years for this to get built, and we've got... Um, We've got it planned in, in our capital infrastructure um, to, to be able to support that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's also additional opportunity um, with the riverfront um, and the East and West Bank to continue to create those recreational and entertainment options for those people that are coming down as part of that biomedical and the related industries. Because there's going to be other, that's just the first piece. Right. Then there's other research and other education, and so the multiplier effect. But then they're going to have to have something to do. And I think the Riverfront Stadium is the first step, and obviously delayed because of COVID with the other infrastructure and the other opportunities, but we're starting to see it return. And there's, there's just a lot of great ideas out there and a lot of excitement building. Are you frustrated by the lack of progress around the stadium? Absolutely, without a doubt. Um, that should have happened long time ago. I mean, the stadium should have been able to open in 2019. Mm -hmm. 20. 20, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Got my years wrong <clears throat> because of COVID, uh, COVID fog. Um, no, it should have been ready and open in 20. And then I think everything else would have fallen in place, right? Mm -hmm. And everything wouldn't have been delayed. Um, and so we're just now getting back. Uh, we're finally starting to see our convention and business return to what it was pre-COVID. We're seeing record numbers in our hotels and our sports tourism. They're getting back to where they were and exceeding. So it's getting there. It's just we've had this, you know, and it's the national economy and COVID and so forth. It's frustrating, but I think all good things will come. Um, it's just a matter of, fortunately, we did it right. Um, we didn't add any tax burden to our citizens. We're able to fund it with existing monies there. Um, we didn't stretch. We didn't put any additional demand on people. Now, if we don't get some things happening quickly, there's going to be some tough decisions and how mm -hmm. we'll have to restructure some capital right. projects. Um, but I don't think we're going to have to add any new tax on anyone. Um, I'm assuming that's pretty important to you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And again, 
to be clear, I'm fine with if the voters want a tax increase, give them the opportunity, right? If it's something that's important to the community, um, Interest Bank Arena is a perfect example. That took three votes. And the first two votes were like, no, this isn't right. This mm -hmm. isn't what this community wants. The third vote, it finally got there, but the community chose it, right? And they said, this is what we're willing to accept and support. And it's been highly successful. And if there's a project that's out there that the community wants to vote on for a sales tax purpose, let's give them the opportunity. Mm -hmm. I'm all for that. On the East Bank, we've gone from $1.2 billion plan <laughs> in 2019, and it was riddled by COVID, and yeah. it, it had become a $400 million proposal uh, that I'm not sure has ever gotten off the drawing board, uh, just more than throwing it out to council members at a meeting. Tell me where you are with yeah. that as, in terms of what you would like to see, and realistically, what kind of a timeline are we looking sure, at? Sure, absolutely. So I think the... The important takeaway from the Riverfront Legacy Master Plan was it got people talking right. and it got people dreaming about what could be. Look, there were some things in there that were just ludicrous. A swimming pool in the river, I didn't get that, right? Um, but it got people talking. It got people thinking, oh, why couldn't we do this? Or that's a good idea. Or now that's ridiculous, right? Um, and I think that was the biggest takeaway from that um, because for too long we've ignored the river and not realized what a jewel it is, the asset that... I, I'm a wagon master, and we do uh, boat rides during River Festival, and we always ask, how many people have... This is your first time on the river. And it's usually about three-fourths of the boat are like, yeah, they've never done this before. Mm -hmm. And for having an asset like that right through the heart of downtown um, is amazing. It's a great opportunity. And so for too long, we've ignored it. Gander Mountain turned its back on the river. The convention center doesn't open up to it. It's cut off. Um, and so it got people thinking and kind of imagining what could be. And I think that was the greatest takeaway from that. Yeah, there was a lot of weirdness in it. but um, And then obviously it got derailed because of the economy and COVID and so forth. But getting it started again is so critical because, as I mentioned earlier, the convention business is coming back. We don't have the facilities for that um, right now to to meet the need mm -hmm. um, we're seeing our hotels having phenomenal success but there's not enough of them uh, right now um, there's a soccer tournament coming up next month that we're talking 9,000 room nights in less than a week you're not going to get a hotel room if you need one in Wichita because right. there's not enough right now so there's opportunities um, there's potential and so I think this revised plan is more realistic and focus on what we need to do right now. And that's the convention facility side of it because we're missing out on 40 to $45 million a year in opportunity. Well, those are new jobs. Those are restaurants. Those are retail. Those are hotels. Uh, that's significant. That can create a great base for what else needs to happen. And then we can start to focus on, okay, what else needs to happen as part of this? Still think of performing arts center is critical to that uh, discussion, but I'm hoping it can be more privately led um, and funded that way than rather it being from the city. I think we need to focus on the opportunity because a, a convention center brings in so many more dollars from outside the city mm -hmm. and spends a lot of sales tax. And so we can build that, whereas your, your publicly led 
pri I'm sorry, your privately led efforts are not going to build a convention center. Right. But right? you can build performing arts. They can build a performing arts. Right. And so I think those two things are critical, and I'd love to see them happen at the same time. And then we can decide what we could repurpose the blue building for, because there's a lot of demand for that still, mm -hmm. and a lot of interest, a lot of uh, passionate people about that building, and but it doesn't work for those two facilities right now. Right. Those two, uh, those facilities don't work for those two programming mm -hmm. events anymore. They can work. Went to Hamilton last weekend. It was great, but man, those seats are uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And yes, I was a long way from the stage, and I thought I had pretty decent tickets, right? And <laughs> so parking, the council member can't get better tickets. <laughs> <laughs> and parking is still a challenge, uh -huh. right? And so it can be improved. I, I was on music theater board for six years, and we have uh, world-class uh, performers, musicians, talent, and they have to do their task in a venue that's not world-class, and that's mm -hmm. a shame. Um, they need to be able to do what they do best in a facility that allows them to do what they do best. And so if we can focus on those two projects and then we figure out what to do with the blue building, I think that's an amazing opportunity. But the, it all needs to start happening. We've had these plans on the shelves for too long. We've not gotten after them. The longer we take, the more expensive it, it gets and the further behind we get to our competitors. Right. And so the timeline that you asked, uh, it needs to be started sooner rather than later. Um, and I think the opportunity is there. We just have to have that vision and that forward thinking to lead us through that. And it's going to take a, a, a mayor and a council that works together and knowing that that's where we need to go. While we're still managing our budget, keeping the community safe, um, enhancing the quality of life. But that's, that's the role. We are policymakers. And we're going to have to make those decisions uh, that moves the city forward. Final question, and since this is a business podcast, I will ask you, do you, given everyone's backgrounds as candidates, do you fashion yourself as the business candidate, given, oh, given your background? Yeah, especially? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, 30 years of experience doing this um, at different levels, um, different opportunities. Not only did I do 25 years in television, I did four years in college at the Business Journal, plug. There you go. <laughs> um, I also, four years as a marketing director at a distribution company, uh, founding partner of an IT company, So, uh, and then also my work with the Kansas Chamber. Uh, I definitely have the business background um, and the ability, like I mentioned earlier, to meet a payroll, to understand budgets, understand what it takes to run a successful business. And, uh, you know, the government... City Council, City Hall is a business, right? And we're responsible for managing your taxpayer dollars. And it takes, uh, it takes a dedication to that. It takes a background with that. Um, so, yes, uh, I think I'm probably the most business-minded uh, of the candidates right. because of my experience and background. Mm -hmm. Well, we thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. And yeah. if, if you are one of the final two in November, we look forward to having you back. I, and I can't imagine the questions then. <laughs> I'll just make them up at that point. Brian, thank you. Uh, thank you, Kirk. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 317. We'll have the fourth in our series of mayoral candidate interviews next week. A reminder, you have until July 11th to register to vote, and early voting for the August 1st primary begins on June 17th. 
Check out all our podcast episodes at our BizTalk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. BizTalk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.